I'm going to have you turn in your Bibles to the book of Acts, chapter 12. We're going through the book of Acts uh, this year uh, for this season right now, where we're going chapter by chapter, looking at the, this year, looking at the uh, idea of be the church. And in the book of Acts, we've been looking specifically at be courageous church. And we're coming to this chapter today, a very familiar passage probably to some of you, as we look at the idea of prayer. You know, there's a lot of modern day conveniences that we enjoy. Do you know that you can order a pizza online today? And that if you, if you have that, that uh, website open, you can watch the progress of that pizza. You can see when they're making it, when they're cooking it, when they put it in the car, and when they drive it to your house, I'm telling you. It's unbelievable, but you can see today. Do you also know that you can pull up a grocery store app? You can go through and do your grocery shopping on that app, and then you can drive to the store and pull in a particular parking place, and they will bring your groceries to you. Do you also know that if you're looking for a car, there is a company now that, that can let you buy it online, bring it to your house, and then take your old car away. I'm thinking, hallelujah, right? <laughs> Man, we enjoy all of these luxuries of life, don't we? I mean, these are conveniences, and really, we're kind of spoiled with all the luxuries of life. But beloved, hear me this morning. The problem with us is, is that too often we treat prayer the same way. We want it, we order it, and we expect it to be delivered to us on our timetable, the preferred way that we want. Come on now. And so that's not what prayer is. Today we're looking at a church here in Jerusalem, Acts chapter 12, and we see that they are a praying church. And so here's what I want you to see. Here's what I want you to apply uh, to your life, to my life, to our life, especially in times that are uncertain in our world today. There's three things we're going to look at as we go through this chapter. And you're going to see our position in praying, the power in praying, and the peace in praying. Y'all with me? Our position in praying, the power in praying, and the peace in praying. So we're going to look first off at this chapter. We're not going to read the whole chapter, but a good portion of it. Acts 12, verses 1 through 17. I'm going to ask, if you would, in honor and reverence to the Word of God, if you'd please stand as I read this passage for us today. The Bible says this, About that time Herod the king laid violent hands on some who belonged to the church. He killed James, the brother of John, with the sword, and when he saw that it pleased the Jews, he proceeded to arrest Peter also. This was during the days of unleavened bread. And when he'd seized him, he put him in prison, delivering him over to four squads of soldiers to guard him, intending after the Passover to bring him out to the people. So Peter was kept in prison, but an earnest prayer for him was made to God by the church. Now when Herod was about to bring him out on that very night, Peter was sleeping between two soldiers. Bound with two chains and sentries before the door were guarding the prison. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood next to him, and a light shone in the cell. And he struck Peter on the side. He woke him, saying, Get up quickly. And the chains fell off his hands. And the angel said to him, Dress yourself and put on your sandals. And he did so. And he said to him, Wrap your cloak around you and follow me. And he went out and he followed him. And he did not know what was, going, what was being done by the angel was real, but thought he was seeing a vision. 
When he passed the first, the second guard, they came to the iron gate leading into the city. It opened for them of its own accord. And they went out. They went along one street. Immediately the angel left him. And when Peter came to himself, he said, Now I'm sure that the Lord has sent his angel, rescued me from the hand of Herod, from all that the Jewish people were expecting. When he realized this, he went to the house of Mary, the mother of John, whose other name was Mark, and where many were gathered together and were praying. And when he knocked at the door of the gateway, a servant girl named Rhoda came to answer. And recognizing Peter's voice and her joy, she didn't open the gate, but she ran in and reported that Peter was standing at the gate. And they said to her, you are out of your mind. But she kept insisting that it was so, and they kept saying, it's his angel. But Peter continued knocking, and when they opened, they saw him, and they were amazed. But motioning them with his hand to be silent, he described to them how the Lord had brought him out of the prison, and he said, tell these things to James, to the brothers, and then he departed, and he went to another place. Let's pray together. Father, how we thank you for the reading of your word. And Lord, may we learn from your word today. May we hear what you have for us today. Lord, may we be fed the bread of life here today. And Lord, I pray that we would be strengthened in our prayer lives here today. I pray, Lord, we walk away with a renewed commitment to be people of prayer, to understand what that looks like, to understand who it is we're speaking to and what it's all about. But Father, I pray that you'd help us, especially in those times as the days get darker, as the times become more uncertain, that we would know who we have as our king. And so, Lord, we pray that you'd be with us. We pray especially for those who are here today who may not know you as their savior, that this would be the hour of salvation to know you, our only Lord and Savior, as their own. And now, Lord, may you work in every heart and life, and I pray that the words of my mouth, the meditation of my heart, would be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you. you may be seated. Well, we have three points that we're looking at here, as we said, and uh, there's one to do, one action point at the end. Uh, but the first thing that I want us to see here as we look at this passage is the asking, the asking. And so as we look here at our passage of scripture, we have to say, okay, what's going on? If we pick back up again, look back at the first two verses, we see that about that time, Herod the king had laid violent hands on some who belonged to the church, believers. And he killed James, the brother of John, with the sword. Now this king, Herod, this King Herod is a crowd pleaser and he wanted to please the Jews. And so what he is doing here is he's done violence to believers, people who are followers of Jesus. And so much so that he has even had, had James, the brother of John killed. Now remember in the disciples, there's James and John who walked with Jesus. This is that James and he had James killed. And so it, it pleased the Jews so much and it, he saw that it pleased them so much that he then decided to also arrest Peter in order to have him killed as well after the Passover. And we pick up in verse four, and it tells us there that when he had seized him, he put Peter in prison, delivered him over to four squads of soldiers to guard him, intending after the Passover to bring him out to the people. So if you can imagine being in that day when your, one of your leaders has just been killed, and now the other one is, another one is in jail in prison, and is expected to be killed. I mean, these for the church, the believers in Jesus Christ, these are desperate times, amen? Yeah. 
These are desperate times. These are uncertain times. These are dark times. These are difficult times. And so as the church is faced with these times and, and that, the circumstances that they're up against, so what's the church to do? Herod's got uh, Peter in prison. So what's the church to do? Are they to write their Roman representative? Well, I don't think that was going to work because they didn't have any. Uh, were they to push for a social media campaign? Well, they didn't have social media back then. Were they to pick at the palace? Well, that really wouldn't have been a smart move either. It would have been destruction for themselves as well. So what did the church do in the midst of these uncertain times? Well, let's look in verse five. So Peter was kept in prison, but earnest prayer for him was made to God by the church. If you don't have that underlined in your Bible and you believe in underlining your Bible, that's a good place to underline right there, all right? So they had this earnest prayer. Earnest prayers are lifted by desperate Christians. Now, what do we really know what that looks like? Do we really know what that means to be desperate for the Lord to intervene? And as we look at our passage today, this, these are great, these are times that were great difficulty, awful aggression, and heart-wrenching uncertainty. But then when you come to this verse, chapter, chapter 12 and verse 5, it is the turning point in this passage. It's the turning point of what's taking place. And we see that in verse 5, but earnest prayer for him was made to God by the church. So in other words, things were going in one direction but as we see God's people are praying, earnest prayer for him was made to God by the church. And this early church knew what we need to know, that prayer is the key. Because as they pray, things begin to change. Amen? Things happen as God's people are praying. So what kind of prayer is this? Well, they're asking in earnest prayer. It's a desperate prayer. It's a depending on Jesus prayer. It's a desperate prayer. Now, a lot of times we think about desperate prayer. Now, it's not the kind of desperate prayer that you're thinking about, that when you see the blue lights in your rearview mirror and you desperately pray, oh Lord, don't let that be after me. It's not that kind of desperate prayer, right? No, it's a desperation that you have come to the end of yourself, that kind of desperation, and that you're depending upon Jesus. This earnest is a, means a stretching or a straining in prayer. These, this church knew that they were overwhelmed and that they were helpless. It was a deeply continuous and without ceasing prayer for Peter. Now, we don't know what they prayed. They may have prayed for, and they likely prayed for his ability to stay strong in the midst of this difficulty while he was in prison. They, they likely prayed for, for him to have peace in the midst of, of facing death, even as he's to be, to be killed by uh, Herod. So they, or they likely also prayed for his release. And we don't know what they prayed, but we know their position in praying, because the Bible share, shares that with us, that there was earnest prayer for him was made to God. This earnest prayer was that they, listen, the church knew who they were talking to. They knew that they could not do this themselves. They needed the Lord to intervene. And so they were looking to the only one who was able to intervene. It reminds me of the story in 2 Chronicles chapter 20 when Jehoshaphat, and I love that name, Jehoshaphat. I, when we had our kids, I always try to get Angie. Let's just, go, let's just have Jehoshaphat. But nevertheless, you see who won that argument. Okay. 
But Jehoshaphat, king of Judah, he was told, a great multitude is coming against you. The, the enemies were coming against Judah. And so what does Jehoshaphat do? In 2 Chronicles chapter 20, verses three through six, it tells us this. Then Jehoshaphat was afraid and he set his face to what? To seek the Lord. And he proclaimed a fast throughout all Judah and Judah assembled to seek help from the Lord. From all the cities of Judah, they came to seek the Lord. And Jehoshaphat stood, stood in the assembly of Judah and Jerusalem in the house of the Lord before the new court. And he said, O Lord, God of our fathers, are you not God in heaven? You rule over all the kingdoms of the nations. In your hand are power and might so that none is able to withstand you. And then that prayer continues. And then we see this in verse 12 of that same chapter, 2 Chronicles 20. He goes and he says, oh, our God, will you not execute judgment on them? For we are powerless Against this great horde that is coming against us, we do not know what to do, but our eyes are on you. You see, friends, Jehoshaphat there understood that the Lord is the one who has the power. The Lord is the one who has the might. That nobody's able to withstand him. And he recognized that they were powerless, but he had the power. And that their eyes were set upon him. They were seeking the Lord. Listen, friends, this was the position of praying of Jehoshaphat and the children of Israel in that passage of scripture. This is the position of praying of the church at Jerusalem. And beloved, hear me, this should be our position of praying today as well of depending upon the Lord Jesus Christ, knowing that we are dependent upon him because we are looking to him to give us wisdom. Saying, Lord, I'm powerless, but you are able. My eyes are on you. You're the one that I'm waiting on. I'm depending on you and I'm looking to you. I mean, after all, friends, what is praying but seeking God, right? That's what praying is. It is seeking God. This week I came across this quote that said, prayer is steeped in the awareness, often an all-filled awareness of the presence of God. Let me say it again. Prayer is steeped in the awareness, often an all-filled awareness of the presence of God. When we're praying, we sense the presence of God. Now let me just ask you, when you pray, does that describe your prayer? where you sense the all-filled awareness, awareness of the presence of God. You see, friends, if we're really honest, praying today is too often seeking things from God. Instead, it should be seeking God above all things, right? Too often, our focus is just, God, I need this, or God, give me that, or God, here's what I, my request, when in reality, it should be seeking God above all things. The church was earnestly praying. They were seeking God. They were seeking his intervention. The question is, is that what you're doing? So what's your position in praying? Is it just a checklist of items that you want the Lord to deliver to you? Or in your praying, is it seeking him? Is it seeking his glory? Is it seeking his work? Is it seeking his will? Is it seeking his way? You say, well, wait a minute now, pastor. Aren't we supposed to pray about things? Aren't we supposed to pray about things that we need and praying about everything? Well, absolutely we are. But unfortunately, our prayers often are more me-oriented instead of seeking him and seeking his will. 
So here's what I want us to see here is the position of praying is to have a dependence upon the Lord coming to the end of ourselves, right? Knowing that he is God, all right? So that brings us to the next thing. The asking of prayer is having the position of coming to the end of yourself and desperately dependent on Jesus, not you. The second thing is the answering. So that's the asking, here's the answering. Remember, we come to verse five here. The turning point of this passage is what we find there in verse five that tells us, but earnest prayer for him, for Peter, was made to God by the church. And so the reason it's the turning point is because the church is depending on the Lord. Why? Why are they depending on him? Because the living Lord is the prayer answering God. He is a prayer answering God. So look at how God answered their prayer. There's three things I want us to see real quick here at how God answered their prayer uh, in this passage of scripture. We see first off, God answered their prayers. They're praying by evil plans were defeated. In verse six, we see the plans there of Herod. Now Herod was about to bring him out, Peter out. On that very night, Peter was sleeping between two soldiers. Now you remember Herod likely had heard of Peter's escape from prison how that had happened early in the early chapter in the book of Acts. And this time, he was going to make sure that that didn't happen again. And so Herod's intentions are evil. He wants to intimidate. What he wants to do is he wants to intimidate the church. He wants to cause fear in the church. And he wants to break up this church. He wants to divide this church. And he wants to do that by having not only James killed, but let's have Peter killed as well. He's going after the leaders. It was an evil plan. And you know, that's exactly how our enemy, the evil one, attacks the church, is he goes after the leadership, and he seeks to destroy the church. He seeks to discourage the church. He wants fear to happen in the church and to divide the church. And so what Satan is doing is he's using Herod with his evil plan. But the Bible says this, but earnest prayer for him was made to God by the church. And so here's the power in the praying that while, now get this, while the church is praying, God is answering. The living Lord is defeating the evil plans of Herod. And why is that? Here's why. Because the living Lord is more powerful than Herod and is more powerful than our evil enemy, Satan. So the church prayed, God answered, Evil plans were defeated. Here's a second part of that, of how God answered the prayer, is that light shone in the darkness. So Peter, we see in this passage that Peter's asleep in prison between the soldiers. And in verse seven, it says, behold, an angel of the Lord stood next to him and a light shone in the cell. So Peter's in this dark cell. It's dismal. It's difficult. It's dark. It's lonely. But in verse five, we saw But earnest prayer for Peter was made by God, to God, by the church. And while the church is praying, God is answering. And so he sends an angel and he brings light into the midst of that darkness. And with that light, there's the awareness that God is with him. Because God has sent his angel, who now, the Bible says, stood next to Peter. Now, understand Peter already had hope. Peter already had faith no matter what he was facing. He knew that if Herod had him killed, he knew exactly where he was going when he opened his eyes. He was going to glory, amen? He would see the Lord Jesus. And so he was asleep. The Bible says he had that hope, he had the faith because he's sleeping between these two soldiers. But as God's people are praying, the Lord is reminding him that he is not alone. And the power in praying is that God answers. 
and that God is able to bring light in those dark times, that God is able to remind us that we are not alone and that he's able to bring hope to those who need hope. So here's the power in praying that the answering comes from the living Lord, that he is able to answer that he has more power than Herod and that he has more power than the darkness, amen? So the church prayed, God answered, evil plans were defeated, light shone in the darkness, and then we see that Peter was delivered. Now remember that Herod was determined to keep Peter. He was determined. You see that because there was one squad of four soldiers guarding for, on each watch. There were four different watches, and so that meant that Herod had assigned 16 different soldiers to guard Peter, four at a time, each, every four hours, they would switch. So every four hours, well, every hour, for every four hours, there was one squad of four soldiers. There were two who were inside the cell with Peter, one on each side of Peter, chained to him. And there were two outside the cell at the gates. And so by man's thinking, man's logical thinking, there's no way Peter's getting out of this. Herod's thinking, okay, he got out last time. He is not getting out this time. It's a high security imprisonment. He isn't going anywhere according to man's thinking. Amen? But what do we find in our scriptures? But earnest prayer for him was made to God by the church. And while the church is praying, God is answering. So we look, let's see what happens. All right. So behold, the church is praying. Verse seven, behold, an angel of the Lord that stood next to him, a light shone in the cell. The angel struck Peter on the side, woke him up, said, get up quickly. And then the chains fell off his hands. And the angel said to him, dress yourself, put on your sandals. And he did so. And he said to him, now wrap your cloak around you and follow me. And he went out and he followed him. He didn't know. Peter didn't know that what was being done by the angel was real, but thought he was just seeing a vision. But then when he passed the first and the second guard and then came to the iron gate leading into the city, it opened for them of its own accord. And the Greek word for that is where we get a word automatically. It opened automatically. They didn't have that in that day, by the way. You know, you go to the store now, you walk and the thing opens. They didn't have that technology back then. All right. And so they went out, they went along one street, immediately the angel left him, and when Peter came to, came to himself, he said, now I'm sure that the Lord has sent his angel and rescued me from the hand of Herod. So what happened here is that he has been delivered. God delivered Peter from the chains in the cell. He's delivered him from that bondage. And understand that this was not an escape, it was a deliverance, right? Because Peter didn't have nothing, didn't have anything to do with it. He didn't even know that it's real to halfway through it, Right? But God is the one who did it. God caused the chains to fall off of his wrist. God is the one who kept those guards asleep the whole time while this was going on. And God's the one who opened that iron gate. So here's the power in praying that the answering comes from the living Lord. Understand this, friends. When we pray, know that our God is able to deliver. He's able to deliver. All through the scripture, we see that he is a, del a delivering God. David was delivered from Goliath. The three Hebrews were delivered from the fire. Daniel was delivered from the lion's den. Jonah was delivered from the belly of the great fish. 
And even as we look at this passage of Scripture in chapter 12 here in the book of Acts, we understand that all this is taking place during the days of unleavened bread because it's after the Passover that Herod wants to do this. And remember that this feast of unleavened bread is, a, is the Passover time, which was for the Jews to be reminded of something, of their deliverance, right, from Pharaoh and the Egyptians. And so on this occasion... The Lord still is delivering, right? And he delivers Peter from the chains and from the prisons. He, he has delivered him from the grip of an evil enemy. He has delivered him from the chains that have bound him. And he is because the Lord is our great rescuer. That's what Peter says. He says, I'm sure the Lord has sent his angel and rescued me from the hand of Herod and from all that the Jewish people were expecting. You know, this idea of the Lord being a rescuer, it reminds, us, reminds me of what Paul says in 2 Timothy chapter 4 when he was opposed and harmed by Alexander the coppersmith. In that passage, he says, but the Lord stood by me and he strengthened me so that through me the message might be fully proclaimed and all the Gentiles might hear it. So I was rescued from the lion's mouth. And the Lord will rescue me from every evil deed and will bring me safely into his heavenly kingdom. To him be the glory forever and ever. Our God is a prayer answering God who is able to deliver. Amen. Jesus still delivers. Jesus still rescues. He still delivers people today from the enemy's grip. He still delivers people today who are in despair. He still delivers people today who are in chains that bind them up. He still delivers today from people who are addicted. He still delivers people from fear. He still delivers people from sin. He still delivers people from oppression. He is still the deliverer, amen? He is still the deliverer. And so here's what I want you to know, friends. Listen, is that in this world and in this culture, in these difficult days, and they are going to get more difficult, I want you to know to be courageous, church, and pray. Be courageous in the times and pray. And pray with a position of depending on Jesus. And in that knowing that the power in the praying is not in you, but it's in our God who is the prayer answering God because he still defeats evil and he still brings light into darkness and he still delivers from bondage. And pastor, how do you know that? I know that because that's who Jesus is and that's what he has done. Amen. You see, because of the cross and what Jesus did on the cross for us and his raising from the dead at the empty tomb, I know that Jesus has defeated Satan and sin and hell and the grave. In 1 Corinthians 15, you can write this verse down. It's not on the screen, so I'm just going to tell it to you. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 56 and 57. The sting of death, the Bible says, the sting of death is sin. The power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. It's who Jesus is and what he's done. Because of the cross and the empty tomb, he's defeated evil. But also because of the cross and the empty tomb, we know that he is the light of the world. In John chapter 1, verse 4 and 5, it says, In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. 
He's the light of the world. So it's who Jesus is, what he's done. He's defeated evil. He's the light of the world. And also because of the cross and the empty tomb, he is able to deliver us from the penalty of sin, from the power of sin. And one day he will deliver us from the presence of sin forever. The Bible says in Romans 7, Paul says, wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Amen. It's because of who he is and what he's done. So be courageous, church, and ask in prayer with the position of complete desperation and dependence upon the Lord, knowing that the power in praying is that our God is a prayer answering God and, it, and the answers come from him. Amen. So here we see the asking, we see the answer, and here's the final thing I want you to see, and that's the assurance. The assurance. As we come to the Lord in prayer, believer, disciples of Christ, children of God, Christians, we can have great assurance when we pray because there is peace. You can have peace in praying. So there's about four different things here. Yeah, four things I want you to see real quick. That as you pray, as you pray, be assured of something. Number one, as you pray, be assured, believer, that he is able to do what you cannot even begin to imagine. Right? Be assured that he is able to do what you cannot even begin to imagine. Where do you get that from? Well, let's look at verses 12 and following. So, When Peter realized that he was out, he went to the house of Mary, the mother of John, whose other name was Mark, where many were gathered together were praying. He knocked at the door of the gateway. A servant girl named Rhoda came to answer. She recognized his voice in her joy. She didn't open the gate, but she ran back in, reported that Peter was standing at the gate. And they said to her, oh, Rhoda, we've been praying for this. I'm so glad he's at the gate. That's not what my Bible says, is it? What it says here is they said, girl, you are crazy. (laughs) That's what it says. Well, not quite like that, but close. It says, you are out of your mind. But she kept insisting that it was so. And so they kept saying, oh, it's just his angel. But Peter continued knocking. And when they opened, they saw him and they were amazed. So James had been killed. And so the church was praying And they were assuming the worst for Peter. But they were praying. But when Peter comes to the door, they have a hard time believing what God has done. Let's just be honest. We are just like that. We pray, but we have a hard time believing what God can do or what God will do. God forgive us of our lack of expectation and anticipation. But beloved, here's what I want you to understand. To be assured, there's peace in praying as a disciple of Jesus Christ. Be assured, God is able to do more than you can imagine. Ephesians 3.20 says, Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think according to the power at work within us. So be assured. There's peace in praying. All right, here's the second thing of that. I want you to see, be assured, believer, as you pray, God is doing more than what you can see. He's able to do more than you can imagine, but he is doing more than you can see. So think about what's taking place here. This church is praying here at Mary's house. 
But while they're praying, God is working, right? They can't see what's happening in that prison cell. And many times, friends, when we're praying, we can't see what God is doing. But be assured, believer, God is doing more than what you can see. In this case, he was with Peter. As they're praying, he was with Peter. He was defeating evil and he was delivering from bondage. You may not always be able to see what God's doing, but be assured, God is at work. Aren't you thankful for that today? Amen. I'm so thankful for that. And as you pray, here's the third thing. Be assured of this. As you pray, be assured, believer, you may not understand his answer, but he will do what is best. We don't always like when God says no or when he doesn't answer the way we think he should have. But you can be assured that he will do what is best. Now, as you look at this story, maybe you have a question in your mind about why in the world did James get killed by Herod and not Peter? Didn't the church pray for James as well? I have no doubt in my mind that the church also prayed for James to be released just as they did for Peter. I'm sure they did. So the question is, well, why wasn't James spared as well? Well, let me just give you a real theological term. I don't know. Okay? But here's what I do know. Only God knows that the answer to that, except that James's time on earth was complete. And God's best at that moment was to bring James home to heaven. While Peter was delivered from prison, James was delivered from this world. And that was God's best. Okay, okay, pastor, I get that. But how, how do you know, okay, pastor, how, how do you know God will do what is best? Well, that's a good question. And here's how I know that God will do what's best. Because he is God. And because he is holy. And because he is perfect. And because he is just, and he is fair, and he is righteous, and he is good. He is good. He is good. Amen? He will always do what's best. So as you pray, be assured, God is always able to do more than you can imagine. He's doing more than you can see. He will do what is best. And then fourthly, be assured, believer, be assured, Jesus Christ wins. He wins. There will be Herods in your life. There will be difficult people that you have to deal with. Can I get a witness right there? There will be dark times. There will be difficult times. But you need to know this, that our God is the one who has defeated the enemy, who is the light in the darkness, and he delivers and he rescues. So be assured that the one, as a disciple of Jesus Christ, the one that you pray to is the one who answers. He is the king. He is the sovereign Lord over all. And he wins. And he is the victor forever. Amen. So be courageous, church. Be courageous and pray asking with the position of depending upon him and being desperate for him. And know that the power in praying is that the answering comes from the living Lord 
and be assured that there is peace in praying to him because he's able and he's working and his way is best and he wins. Amen? All right, here's the one to do. We're done. All right, one to do. Bow your head and bow your heart. So let me say it a better way. As you bow your head, be sure to bow your heart. Amen? The Bible tells us in Jeremiah 29, it says, you will seek me. The Lord says, you will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. When you go to the Lord, friends, let us come to him with not only a bowed head, but a bowed heart. Amen? Knowing that he is God and that we are not. Trusting him every step of the way. If you're here today and you've never trusted Jesus Christ, hey, what, what is your heart attitude in prayer? If you've never trusted Jesus, know this, that Jesus Christ is calling you to himself because of his love for you, what he's done for you on the cross of Calvary. He's calling you to himself. And so you humbly come to him in prayer. He's calling you, you answer. For those of us who are disciples, know what is your heart attitude in prayer? Know that we are all in a spiritual battle every single day, every day. So let us be people of prayer who are seeking him, who are depending on him, who are trusting him and yielding the answer to him and then resting in him, amen? So as you bow your head, always bow your heart. So let's do that right now. Let's go to the Lord. Let's bow our hearts before him. Father, we bow before you and we acknowledge that we are powerless, that we know that you have all power, that you do all things well, <clears throat> that you do all things right, that you're perfect and holy. And we yield our lives to you. We yield our hearts to you. We yield our church to you. We yield, Lord, our jobs, our children, our grandchildren, our education, our questions, our decisions, all the things that are wrapped up in all these people who are gathered here today. Lord, I thank you for these people. I love these people. And I know that everyone, every family has issues that they're facing today. We don't know what those are. But Lord, I just want to thank you and praise you that you do know what they are. And that Lord, that you would hear our prayers. That we are desperate for you, that we're depending upon you and know that you're the God who answers. And that we can rest in the fact of knowing that you're able to deliver, you're able to free us up. You're able, Father, to bring light in the midst of the darkness, to thwart the plans of the evil one. And we can rest in you in the peace and knowing that you are God and that you're always right and that you win. So Lord, I pray for our people today. I pray, Lord, that as we face the uncertainty of our times, that we be courageous and look to you in prayer, taking all of our petitions, all of our intercessions, everything that we have questions about, to bring them before your throne and depend upon you. So Lord, I pray now that as we come to this invitation that each of us would make a commitment, a recommitment even, to being people of prayer, 
to not just come to you with a checklist, but to come to you seeking you with all of our heart. God, I pray that let it be known in the hallways of heaven that Mount Pleasant is a church that believes in praying and believes in the God who answers prayer. God, I pray. Have your way in us, I pray. In Jesus' name, for your glory. Amen. Amen. We're going to stand. We're going to sing. If you need to come, pray with a pastor. We'll be here to pray with you.